it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kahn Report wherever you get your podcast. You can also catch us on YouTube as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. Today, I'm joined by the Washington Post Nikki Javala, as we look ahead to the owners' meetings of this week in Minnesota, we know that there's not going to be any vote taken on the commanders. We, we learned that on Thursday, but there will be updates on the sale and the process. The owners will be updated on the sale and the process and what's going on. So we'll find out some information on that. But Nikki and I also talk mostly about what's going on on the field. They also the, the commanders also start OTA practices this week. We'll be able to go out to the practice on Wednesday. I will do a practice update for you that will be out late Wednesday afternoon, early Wednesday evening. So look for that. But so we'll talk a lot about the OTA sessions, etc. So stay tuned for that. Before I get there, just to, I wanted to kind of update you on a couple things. One, there's not going to be any penalty for the commanders on the whole Andrew Luck situation. Um, never thought that was going to be the case. Listen, it was a mistake I made in a story and mischaracterized what they did. I definitely know he was disgusted, but they did not call him. They did not call his agents. And that part, in, you know, in the one story, that was I knew that was the case, and I, and I wrote it incorrectly. Anyway, but that's why the commanders were never worried, and frankly, they weren't upset with the note. Trust me, folks. If it had been a big deal, I would have written more than eight words on it. Instead, it was buried inside a story on Sam Howell and was only meant to highlight how their search was different this year than in 2022. That's why they were never worried. And like I said, I never thought anything would come with it. And now it's not going to. The Washington Post first reported that news. Anyways, now moving on. A couple things to note also before we get to to my conversation with Nikki, we spoke with uh, team president Jason Wright on Saturday at a flag football clinic out at Commanders Park. Anyways, on the on the approval process, he's not privy to all the information, but he did say that um, he didn't think it would take long and that it was moving in the right direction. He felt like it would be done soon. Now, in talking to some people later, it sounds like it could be late June, mid to late June into July. I wouldn't be shocked if it went further than that, but that was a timetable that was floated to me um, the other day, and so we'll see. But again, this in this thing is there's been twists and turns all over the place. So, but that's that was a timetable from somebody who has a good idea of what's going on. But and so again, just a general timetable. We'll see if it plays out that way. We also talked to offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy on Saturday, and I play I. We'll have that video on on Empire Media as part of the YouTube page. Just the whole, it was about 10 minutes long or so, the challenge of installing a new system. 
I will say this, he clearly finds it invigorating. And you can tell that he's, listen, he's a very energetic person to begin with. But when he's talking about this, you can tell that he's energized by being in a new situation after 10 years with the Chiefs. He is the guy running the show. And he's done a lot of things, I think, to implement his, um, what he wants to get done. And I think the, the other thing is, I think they listened to him. So we talked about that. For, again, that's a video that will be up on Empire Media at some point very soon. We also discussed Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, a few other challenges um, in, in, in installing a new offense, what some of the biggest challenges are, et cetera. So tune in. for to Go check out that on, on the YouTube page. Also, for ESPN.com, I wrote a, wrote a story over the weekend on a man, corner Emmanuel Forbes talking to him about his six interception returns for touchdowns while at Mississippi State, went over each one and had just had him talk, walk me through why he reacted the way he did on those particular plays. And the funny thing is, the whole lead of the story too was I brought out my computer to, to show him, like just to go over the plays in case he needed to jog his memory a little bit. He did not. He told me, I don't need the video. I don't need the video. I know, I know it in my head. And I think some of it, too, was part of the point of the story was to kind of highlight some of the different skill sets he has. The return game, for example, the um, and you see that in a couple different on a couple different of, the, uh, of those returns that he's just a different guy running the ball. Then you also see the smarts, and I think that was evident in the game against Kentucky, where he jumped a screen pass, but it also got into why he jumped the screen pass, and that to me is the big key. He also admitted on one one of them he got really lucky. So, anyways, that story is up on ESPN.com. Give it a listen. I'm going to try and play the audio for that at some point in the next week or so. So anyway, check that out now. Here's my conversation with the Washington Post, Nikki Javala. This, that, this interview, this conversation with Nikki was recorded on Friday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know the largest ropes course and zipline park in the country is right here in the DMV? Located in the heart of Montgomery County, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring combines climbing and ziplining to create an aerial obstacle course unlike any other. With challenges anywhere from 10 to 75 feet in the air, there is something for all skill levels. Looking for some family time or the perfect date night before football season starts? You can even climb and zip line under the stars. Would you rather keep your feet on the ground? Give axe throwing a try. With their projector systems, you can throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's KIME, K-E-I-M, 23DC. So there you have it, folks. Climbing, zip lining, axes, food, and bonfires right in your backyard. The weather is warming up, so it's the perfect time to head outside and join the adventure at www.theadventurepark.com. 
That's www.theadventurepark.com and enter promo code KIME23DC. Nikki, the, the big question, I guess, for this week, there's a couple of things going on. We got the owners' meetings in Minnesota, and as we talk, we're recording this Friday, as, you're, as people are listening to this, we'll be in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The suspense was kind of taken out of that a couple of days ago, correct? I would say a week ago. I mean, yes. we we had heard that, the, you know, they would get updated right. about the state of the commander sale, but there wouldn't be a vote. And I think right. any any belief of there possibly being one, I mean, yes, anything can happen. This is an unusual sale process, um, but these things don't happen overnight. Um, it's not just, oh, they vetted Josh Harris before they can vet these guys easily. No, it's a complex deal. It's going to take some time. Um, so it's, you know, this is not totally out of the ordinary. In fact, this may be the one normal part of this process so far is that it's going to take some time right. to vet. They always do. I mean, the Broncos sale, which had a fairly Walton easy family. structure. The yeah. family. Yeah. You, you know, they're worth a, a, a ton, liquid assets, you know, the whole thing that took eight, nine weeks. Same with the, the, you know, Panther sale, eight, nine weeks, you know, that's, that's how long these things take. Right. And and you're right, because I heard the same thing when the sale, when this purchase and sale agreement was announced, it was unlikely to vote in May at, right. the, at these meetings because of all the things you said. And I know people were like, why is it taking so long? Because there's at least 12 limited partners and they all have to be vetted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and this is, a, do you think this is kind of, and you're right, like this is a normal timetable, but I wonder too, like with the NFL and we're going to get into, oh, for people, listen, we're going to get to OTA stuff in a minute. So just, you know, settle down. But but do you think this could be like more of the future of the NFL with these deals because of the size of the, the numbers we're talking about and how they want to keep these in families and not corporations? Yeah, I mean, the, the NFL has made, they have the most stringent ownership policies of the, you know, four major U.S. pro sports leagues. Um, you know, they want one individual, not a corporation, not a group to have control. And that person, if outside of a family needs to have 35, at least 30%. And when you're talking $6 billion and up, that's a massive amount of money that they need to have personally. Um, and families, the amount is much lower. The family as a whole needs 30%. But if you have multiple members, you know, a person with control, I think it's at 5% or lower. Um, so it's, it's a lot easier. They've made it so they can keep these teams and in, in, within families. Um, but that kind of structure is, is seemed to be fading out. I mean, you know, the Broncos sold, that was, you know, Pat Bowen initially hoped to keep it in the family, but ended up selling. Um, you know, there have been squabbles within families before we've seen it with the 49ers. Um, you know, I, I would say the, the hunts and rootings are the most well-run, um, teams and, uh, that we've seen that, you know, are, are owned by in that team structure or that family structure. But yeah, I mean, the league is going to have to make some concessions given the values of these teams. There's only so many Rob Waltons and Jeff Bezos around that can just kind of foot that bill. Like it's nothing. Um, so you're going to need multiple partners. You may have to introduce private equity. You may have to introduce some other concessions um, to to find people who can do this. Um, right. Because up, in, up until now, the NFL could always say, you know, why do we need to make changes? There are people willing to buy that have the money. 
you know, and if Jeff Bezos buys the Seattle Seahawks, then they can still say that. But right. after that. <laughs> but there's gonna, and they're going to be a number of teams coming up over the next decade, possibly. So I think it's going to be something interesting to watch. And you may not be able to answer this, but it still seems like ultimately the Harris group will be able to get approved. It's just going to take time. But does that the sense that you're getting? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think right now we'll see. You know, there's right. a lot of it is, you know, the part of it is semantics too. You know, what the league views as debt. Right. Hypothetically, the Harris group views as no, this is a more creative way of, right. of structuring a deal of creating financing. So um, they need to kind of close those gaps there. But it's, it's also a complex deal because of the seller, you know, right. um, you know there's the indemnification piece, which we've you know written about ad nauseum. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's a complex deal. So yeah, I, I I think there's some confidence among some that this will this will ultimately go through. Um, we'll see. I I think it has it's the only deal on the table. Right. Um, so I I think the league would very much like it to go through. Um, but it's not it's not finalized yet. There's still some things to work through. Um, you know, and this is this is a league. This is a franchise even that has seen bids fall through at the last minute. I right, mean, the Milstein. yeah, I mean, I, and I bring this up to not to be like the ultimate, you know, pessimist about this and not in any way. I think you just have to be realistic about kind of what's going on, the complexity of this deal. And I know everybody wants it to go through and hopes it'll go through. And I, I, I think there are others on both sides, the league and the Harris camp that certainly hope for the same, but it's just going to take some time. Well, and I think the whole point is, so when people ask why will it take why a while, this is all the re these are all the reasons why. Yeah. So right. that's why it's like you know. So uh, doesn't mean it's not going to go through. It's just explaining why it will take right. some time. It's a to massive get to that deal. Point. Yeah, there are I mean, stringent ownership policies. There are a lot of LPs, and the LPs. What's different about this one is like you've seen like the Broncos deal. They added LPs after the fact. They had a very liquid buyer who was able to purchase it outright. So you can add LPs and then vet the LPs at your leisure. You don't, you're not on that time constraint to get the full deal vetted. But when you got 12 or more that are part of the initial purchase, they all take vetting. And if you right. got ones where you don't know their immediate source of wealth, then it's going to take even longer. So, you know, it's it's part it's of the not, process. Yeah, yeah, it's 6.05 billion. That's a, lot, a, of, lot, of a lot of zeros. It's a lot of zeros. Zero. That's more than Nikki and I make combined. So just so just so people slightly, just slightly, yeah. just a little bit. Let's get to the field. So we have we also have OTAs this week that we'll be able to go out to on Wednesday after we get back from Minnesota. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to seeing or interested to seeing this week? Um, I'd say just seeing how the veterans working with the, with the rookies, but also seeing how EB Eric B works with all of them, kind of seeing the sort of the control he has over the offense. I, we got a taste of it certainly with the rookies, but you know, having the veterans back, you know, I think that'll give another glimpse into kind of the dynamic there. Um, of course, seeing Sam Howell, you know, connection with receivers, it's a weird period for me because, you know, a lot of it, they're just, you, you can't do live drills. You can't do anything like that. So it's right. a it, throwing on air. It's 
you know, you don't want to make too much of it. It's good to see the guys out there, kind of see the connection they're building, but you know, they're very limited in what they can do. Um, I'm curious to see how they kind of how they align guys. If they start to experiment, like, especially in the secondary, especially on the offensive line, um, where are they kind of testing different players out where they are, where are they envisioning certain players? Like, will we see Sam Cosme move, you know, inside, will he play tackle, both tackle and guard? Um, you know, how do they envision that arrangement? How are they going to um, arrange the, you know, six essentially starting um, DBs they now have with, you know, the addition of Quan Martin and Emmanuel Forbes? Um, those are things I'm looking for. And then, you know, just seeing some veterans coming back. How does Logan Thomas look coming right. back? Um how does Cole Turner look? I know that there's high expectations for him. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, well, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. That, I was going to add, that was on the list too. <laughs> and, and how important is it yeah. that they are there? And I know these are voluntary. Yeah. It's voluntary. Um, and I don't personally like to knock guys for not being there. It's their personal choice. But, you know, they they have a lot at stake for them individually um, this year. And of course you would like to see all the leaders of the team there. And it looks like most of them have been there just based on the photos that the team has posted of OTAs throughout. Um, but, you know, they've been absent clearly and for a few of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and we know it's important to Ron Rivera, you know, we've learned that over the years. So it'll be interesting. I mean, it's not like they're learning a new scheme on defense. I'm sure there will be tweaks as there are every year, but um, they know the system, you know, it just, you know, be good to see them. And it'd be good to see how Chase looks, you know, after the injury, he only had what three games coming back. Right. And so. And and I know, and you kind of touch on it. If you want to consider yourself a team leader, then I think that's something you should be at. I think one of the things, Nikki too, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, because they are losing also that week of OTAs and, I wonder, you know, there's an impact on that. It seems like it would be more on the offense because they're trying to put in a new offense. You have a young quarterback, you have a new OC versus the defense where you're running the same stuff essentially. And that zone match is in the second year. So you've already installed that. It seems like, do you, do you think, do you agree with that? Like that it, the impact would be more on offense than on defense, which, and I kind of go along with the sweat young thing. It's, you know, is it as important for them to be there as if they were on offense versus mm -hmm. the fact that they're on defense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think, you know, this is, this is a whole new system. I know they try to kind of frame it as like, Oh, we're going to make a few fix. No, it's a, it's a whole new system, new terminology. Like it's similar concepts, but that's football in general. Right. Everybody can run similar concepts, right. but right. it's a new playbook, um, new terminology, um, new coordinator, new play caller, new quarterback, um, new interior linemen, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of new, um, and they have limited time already in the off season, given the new rules in the CBA. Uh, so to lose that week is going to be tough. It really is. Um, you know, I, 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 this is where I'm really glad they do have those two days of joint training camp practices with yeah. the Ravens, because I think that's, that's always a really good gauge to see where a team is at, you know, they can go against each other for the longest time, but at some point, you know, they know the other side better than anybody else, you know? Um, so to see them go up against another team, I think will give us a really good glimpse at kind of where they are and um, 
learning the new offense, where Sam is at, um, you know, just building that connection and, you know, they're what they hope to achieve with the new offense, et cetera. So, yeah, so I, I think yeah. that we could be a lot for the, the offense. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's it's led to some incorrect decisions the last couple of years or waiting until the fourth game of the season to realize that certain players are in the wrong spot or can't play or whatever, because you're not seeing that in the summertime because you don't hit in training camp the way you used to. So you're not getting those live looks like they used to. And also the other thing, Nikki too, is, you know, usually you get that week of mini camp, the mandatory mini camp where it's, a, they, they always put down three days on the sheet and then they cut it to two. I don't think there are going to be any cutting this year because you need that practice. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other, the other thing is going back to, because we did get a glimpse of Biennemi during that rookie mini camp. Yes. Yes. I've given my thoughts on it. What did you think? I mean, I thought, I thought he was as advertised. I mean, we've heard about, you know, he's very vocal, very focused, very detail oriented. And you could see that. I mean, he was very, you could hear him from, you know, 200 yards away. Um, he wants his players to really take command. See what I did there. Um, especially in the huddle. I mean, you know, he was, he's hard on guys, but you know, with reason, I think change is good, but it really is interesting to kind of see him kind of go to work there. Um, you know, in a lot of ways he's, it's a very different style from, from Scott Turner and others. And that's and maybe not others. I mean, I, you see other coordinators who are, are who are like that more vocal, uh, stronger right. presence. And I, I, I think that's good. I think they need yeah. that. I do too. And it's funny because I mentioned the way, you know, after the rookie minicamp about how he kind of got on some people. And there is a difference though, because like, if you're just yelling to yell, you become ineffective. Right. He, he certainly did it to make a point. Right. He's always yelling something that that he wants to see. He's not just yelling at somebody for the sake of yelling at them. You know? Yeah. I I mean, one, one example is like, you know, when we heard this repeatedly is, you know, I put the center in the huddle for a reason. He needs to take a man. Like that's, we heard that many times, you know, telling, you know, Yep. Yep. The rookie centers they had there to, you know, really get in there and, and kind of take control of things. But it's funny because, and it is a different style, but I think one thing that just that I'm curious to see is the impact on the details of their jobs. And like, and I always talk about, you know, you get caught up in as a play caller and that's obviously very huge for an OC, but if you can get them to adhere to the details of the position, that makes a big difference. And that seems to be what he's maybe more about. Yes. A lot yes. about, I should yes. say. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You also, we also got a chance to see Emmanuel Forbes in that one. Yes. What did you think? I mean, it's, it's hard to glean too much from, you know, rookie minicamp practice. They're in shorts, you know, there's not a whole lot of live action there. You know, the most live action is like seven on seven and a couple reps and, you know, full team. Um, so you don't get to see him going against, you know, the veterans, but you know, he's an instinctive player, a quick player, very thin player. Um, but, you know, I, I I thought he looked good. Um, very curious to see how he looks going up against um, the veterans, going against the first team offense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's impressive for sure. I That's the thing. I, well, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing is when he goes up against those, because yeah. that's a good group of receivers to help get him ready, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think yep. that's one of the things because they're they're also he's a very aggressive corner. 
And I think they're going to help him learn a few things during camp. And I think it's a good group for him to go against because like Terry is a guy that will share information. I think a lot of them will share information, but I think he was somebody who benefited from going up against veteran corners when he was a rookie. So, you know, I mean, how much will that help him? Do you think? Oh, I I can only help him. Um, And he, you know, in the short time we've, gotten to know him. He seems like a guy that wants to be coach hard and will absorb that information. And, you know, Terry's Terry's, I think Terry's a great guy for anybody on the roster. Um, but especially the corners who have to face him and cause he's a detailed, detailed receiver. So they'll learn a lot and he'll share a lot. You know, he's a, he's a good guy to go against. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm also curious to see, you know, if they bring in anybody else, like if they have any other bigger receivers, how does he handle those? You know, there's so much talk about his weight and his size and, you know, how, how much will that affect him if it affects him at all? Um, You know, know, maybe we'll get a better glimpse of that. Certainly again, and, and those joint training camp practices in Baltimore, I think that'll be a good gauge too. Sure. And then how does he offset that? Cause there's always right. a way like he's got strengths that he can offset that with and they have to mm-hmm. go. So how do you handle that? But that is something to work. What about in terms of the quarterback situation now, because you brought mm-hmm. up Sam Howell and they also have Jacoby Brissett. And we, all we've heard is that the only guarantee for Howell is he goes into these situations yep. as a number one, what are you expecting? What, what are you anticipating seeing from him? And then, do you think there's going to be a, a true quarterback competition? I mean, that's always the question. I mean, they've said in the past that we're going to have a quarterback competition and, you know, that other guy doesn't take a single snap with right. the first team. Um, I mean, I think a true competition would only help Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he does only have one start. Um, and I, th- I think Jacoby Brissett is absolutely a guy he can learn from. This is – he – he is that type of player who is known to be a good mentor, a guy that will help younger players in that room come along. Um, he's also going to compete and he's coming off probably the best year of his career mm-hmm. in Cleveland. Um, I thought he was undoubtedly the best quarterback they had last year. Deshaun, oh, yeah. like when he came back. So, you know, I, I, I think a true quarterback competition is necessary. I think it can only help Sam. Um, but will it be, we'll see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very, I, I know everybody has convinced themselves that it will be Sam. And I, I, I know that, and they have said, we will give them every chance to win that job. And I, I, you know, I, I, I hope he does go out there and, and win it for his own sake, but they haven't guaranteed anything. Right. Um, and so we'll, we'll see. And I, I think Jacoby Brissett is an experienced veteran. He's seen a lot more, which is not anything to Sam's. That's not his fault. He's just right. been in the league longer. He's right. seen. More, so um, it could be interesting. And and that's where I'm at too, that it's not that I don't think how could develop. It's just that I right. think you have a staff that also has to win now right away. And you right. can, you have a, you know, who's going to give you the best chance to do get off to that good start and all that. But, you know, I also, um, Jacoby's a professional quarterback. I mean, and, you know, so he's going to look good now. And I think guys are going to like that. Right. What, you know, but, when you look at the situation, like how are you, what kind of things might you look for with how, because obviously some of it's going to be growth. He's Jacoby mm-hmm. could look better when we go out there because mm-hmm. he's more experienced, but how are you going to kind of just from your own personal standpoint, how will you assess 
where you think this is going and is how getting it or is it, how does he look? I mean, the two things that stand out to me always, especially with a younger quarterback is body language and footwork, you know, is the, is the footwork the way it needs to be. And like, you know, it's, it, we're looking from the sideline with the coaches will take a more detailed view. They'll be asking him things that, you know, maybe we don't necessarily see, but I always think like, you can tell if the footwork is fluid, if he looks comfortable and it, does he appear confident? You know, does he feel like, you know, he's, he's missing everything. Is he hanging his head? You know, these are, these are little things and it feels sort of cliche for, you know, a writer to point out these things, but I think you can kind of glean a lot from sure. the way a young player looks out there on the field in terms of his confidence. Does he feel comfortable? Does he feel like he's learning? Does he feel like he's, you know, the coach is just riding him for the sake of riding him or is he learning stuff? Is he picking up? Can he see the difference between, you know, a mistake he made on one play and how he corrected it on the next, you know, those little things. Um, so, I mean, I, th- those are the types of things I'll be looking for. I mean, again, it's with, with limited contact in OTAs and, and even training camp, you kind of have to pick where you really focus in on, um, just because it's, it's, you can't, you can't fully replicate a game anyway. Um, but you know, you got to bear in mind that they are, you know, most of the time going against air, you know, they're being told to do certain things and it may work out. It may not. So. Right. And I think the footwork thing is big just because that was the number one thing that we heard about throughout the time from the time they drafted him to during the season and all that was just kind of matching it up. Now he's having to match it up with a different offense, even though, as you said, the concepts are the same. It's also, it's really about the terminology a right. lot for him, but you West still Coast have to, yeah. Oh man. And, but you still have to match up the footwork and yeah. it has. To, so I think it's as much like, is he getting the ball out? Is he hitting, hitting that plant step and getting the ball out? Is it, you know, is it, is it, is it on time? Is it in rhythm? I think those are some of the things that you can see. And then to me with how it's about measuring growth, like where does he look when we, you know, we're not making the decision. So it doesn't matter what we think, but you, but from their perspective too, but it is like, okay, you, this is how he looked on May 24th or whatever the day is going to be out there. This is how he looks at the end of, and you know, the last mini camp. And is there a difference? Because he did you want to like, see progress. You want to see right. trajectory. Yeah. Right. And, and I thought we saw that last summer from him because early on, it's like you kind of, you know, he didn't look great. And right. by th- I thought by the end of camp, he looked a lot better, you know? Right. So, but it, you know, but yeah, I guess in, I, what would be a true quarterback battle to you? What would it, what would it look like to you? Split reps with the first there team. Yeah. 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 I mean, we that's really seen that. We haven't yeah, seen we that. Haven't. We haven't. We heard uh, about it. Right. I mean, we've heard about it twice, really. We've said, you know, they've said there'd be open competitions and there's really not. So, you know, we'll know pretty quickly if it's a real competition. I also know? wonder too, Nikki, if if they look at it, it's like, we're going to, you know, if, if they say we're going to give Sam every chance, let him get all the ones reps with the ones because you know what Brissett can do and he's a little bit more experienced. So maybe, you know, you could wait and give him that time you know, but that, it's still is, it's still a you know a new offense for Brissett. It's still a new team. He's got to get acclimated too. So it's a new yeah. exa- right, and, and I, I'm pretty sure he's been in a system like this. He's been in a few of yes, them. Some version of the West Coast, yes. Right, but, but it is yeah. it is a new it is a new situation for him that he has to learn these guys too. But that's why I wonder. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it, and at what point do they decide like okay? And it may be because it's maybe less about how. And more about Brissett and how he looks 
than it is. So like if if you if if that develops that way, I think it could be say as much about Jacoby as it does about Sam. Sure. Absolutely. Well, Nikki, that's it. There's not much else to talk about. So we'll we'll get a chance to be in Minnesota and then we'll see these guys, get more speculation and conjecture about what's going to happen over the next couple of months. And that's Can't what wait. we do. There you go. <laughs> Can't wait. Let's go. All right, Nikki. Thanks, Nikki. Of course. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Nikki for joining me. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back with another episode, probably from the owners' meetings on Tuesday. If not then, then definitely one on Wednesday after we get a crack at the first OTA practice open to the media this season. Talk to you next time.